The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 1067, Auburn a sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this gorgeous Monday afternoon here in the Auburn-Opelika area. We have got so much to cover today on the show, and uh, look, we know you've got some comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, opinions, and everything else. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. Carter, have you ever been in a situation in your life where you came out on top, you came out victorious, you got the result you were looking for? but you still felt like a loser and you still felt like that you lost. That's what happened on Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn beats Missouri 17-14 in overtime. But coming out of that game, I don't think anybody, and I mean anybody, felt like they won that football game. No, not at all. I mean, it was a game (laughs) I saw somebody, I think it was, Josh Dove maybe on Twitter was like I came into this game thinking if Auburn lost Brian Harson was going to be fired is there a way that both coaches could get fired at the end of this game because it was that it was that was a horrendous football game well we're gonna get into it but man how are you on this Monday afternoon brother I'm doing all right how was your trip this weekend it was good it was good it was good to see uh some some friends that I have not seen in a while uh and kind of Get to catch up with them, and uh, now I'm back. Now I'm back. I'm feeling good and uh, ready to talk about this this Auburn team yet again, putting a a gross performance out there. It for was, the, uh, it was something. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the many uh, adjectives to describe what we saw on Saturday. Well, we're gonna get into it here in the show, and of course, it's Monday. So we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. We'll talk to him at 2.30, uh, talk about Alabama's big win over Vanderbilt and as they prepare for Arkansas this weekend. Again, a trap game is what Joey has called this game uh, for the past couple of weeks. So we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, at 2.30. And then at 3.30, we're going to speak with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts and opinions uh, about the game on sa- on Saturday. Sorry, I'm watching it. We got the ESPN on here in the studio, and it's the replay of the Bills offensive coordinator when he's in the, he's in the booth, and after they lose, he just starts slamming his stuff down and breaks the tablet and everything. <laughs> I've seen that before, but that made that made me laugh. That caught me off guard. That was really funny. That's how I felt on the inside watching Auburn try to play. Football I was about to say. Saturday. I think that's how every Auburn fan felt, and it, the Auburn coaches should have been doing that too. But uh, again, we're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at three thirty. Uh, but Carter on Friday night, Lee Scott victorious yet again. They went on the road, uh, and uh, we picked up another victory. We're undefeated, man. Yeah, and I mean, what? 
the clo- what was the score of the uh, Glenwood game again? Glenwood was 34 16. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's the closest game that they've 32, played. 32 16. They went on the road, got it done without the starting quarterback, and you. You just love the way that this Lee Scott team is playing. They've been dominant all year, and they're exciting to watch. And they'll and they'll get another crack at it. Finally, the uh, second home game of the year That's on right. Friday. We have Altaga at home for homecoming this week. Mm-hmm. Friday night, uh, Auburn High wins last week as well. There's a big game. Uh, Opelika lost last week against Theodore, but. They come and play Auburn this Friday night. Uh, that's a big, big matchup. Auburn and Opelika Friday night. Lee Scott has Otaga at home on Friday night as well. So uh, that's sort of your high school football update. But 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. We're going to go over uh, the Auburn-Missouri game, go over some of the other games from around college football and the SEC. That is on the agenda for today. Uh, Carter, just your your first initial takeaways from this Auburn and Missouri game because you were out of town. You didn't get the chance to do after the game this weekend. And by the way, by the way, just want to shout out McKenzie. She did a great job on Saturday. Mm -hmm. She did a fantastic job, her and Jack Hutton, on after the game. Uh, Absolutely killed it. They sounded good, took your calls, they nailed it, knocked it out of the park. So good job to her and to Jack Hutton on Saturday. Y'all did a great job. But, Carter, you have not yet had your chance to, uh, to let the world know what your thoughts are besides Twitter? Well, but. I, I I did call in and, gave, oh, okay, and quickly okay. quickly kind okay. of ran through my, my okay. initial reaction. So, what is your initial reactions? What I mean, how are you feeling after Auburn, Missouri, seventeen to fourteen victory for the for the good Tigers in overtime? I'm not I'm not gonna say it was as bad as when Auburn beat Mississippi State three to two. But, like, I think it's next on that list. That game was disgusting. I mean, Auburn goes down and scores, running the football the whole way. Uh, and, it, you know, you're like, okay, maybe maybe they have something here. They just figured out that, that, that Robbie is just going to run the ball down this team's throat. But then you got stymied by a Missouri front that's not physical. They got dominated by, by K-State. I am terrified of what this looks like the rest of the year. And I just... I don't. I don't recall leaving a game with that feeling before, where it was like a mixture of like just confusion, maybe a little sprinkle of anger in there, and like also, but like laughing at the performance because it was just, it was a gross football game. Auburn was the second best team on the field, and it showed the whole time. Missouri deserved to win the game until they missed a twenty-six yard field goal and fumbled trying to run in the end zone. Everything about that was bad, and I just. I don't. I mean, I have more thoughts, but but I'll I'll, I'll let you go next year. Well, we're actually going to head to the phone lines three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. Hey guys, how are y'all today? We are doing all right, man. What you got for us? Uh, a few things. First, I saw. Uh, I remember vividly the three two game, and that was uh, a lot of good defense. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that. Those were just good defenses, and we, and, you know. At, Average below average offenses, so it was actually if you're a defensive guy, you actually like that game. <laughs> uh, now nowadays it's all about offense, but that wasn't a really ugly game. This was just pathetic. This was I la- like I, I knew that this was going to be you know kind of the way it was going to be, but but not. But I didn't know it was going to be this ugly. Uh, I, like you said you you had mixed emotions and my I I literally were la- was laughing um, 
at the the, the last uh, last of the fourth quarter and into overtime, just trying to figure out how we were going to lose the game because it was going to it was coming, and I I was literally like, so so we're about to have uh, our coach is about to be gone. Wait, Nate, nope, not yet. Okay, now all right, now he's about to <laughs> nope. Dang it, not yet. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Please tell me that there weren't people on Tumors Corner rolling, rolling there were. tumors. Oh, when, there were. When yeah. I drove back, they should and, be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> they should be ashamed. I I drove back into town and I saw the uh, the the guy, the workers out there with the hose spraying the uh, toilet paper down from the trees. But I mean, there was 15 straight drives in this game in the middle, in the heart of it, punts that were missed field goals, punts. Or turnovers on down. It was one of the just like grossest middle. I mean, it's not even a middle third. It was the middle half mm-hmm. of the game. It was just awful, awful football. We we should have lost the game. Uh, I, we deserved to lose the game. Um, and I really truly think that we are we are dead last, or we we should feel like we are dead last um, in the conference. I, I really believe that on a on a uh, you I know. Agree. First, first couple of games, Vanderbilt would have whipped our would have whipped our butt. I think I think Vanderbilt will beat this Missouri team, and Auburn looked like the worst team on the field on Saturday against Missouri. Yep. Well, and Shane, I think the thing too was there was a big point like in the the stretch where Carter was talking about where it was just punt after punt after punt after turnover, and, and just it got to the point where. It didn't look like either team was ready to win the football game or necessarily wanted to win the football game. I think they obviously did, but this never looked like they were ready to do so. And I think that was the big problem, especially from Auburn's offense, where you were talking about at one point just sitting there and kind of laughing to yourself. I did the same thing. There was a time where yeah, when Auburn punted it for the sixth or seventh time in a row, you just kind of laugh and chuckle. You're like, what are we supposed to do? Like, when is this going to fix? Like, what is happening? And you just, I don't know. There was no answer uh, from us, the fans, media, and just watching in, it on TV. In that stretch of 12 straight punts, eight of those drives combined by the two teams were three and outs. That's awful. So, yeah. so why, why, I mean, if if Harson's job was, was, was hanging on the edge at, before this, why is he still there right now? I agree. I like okay. Th- I agree with this point right here. Nothing that happened, the missed field goal and the fumble in the end zone, should not change how decision makers at Auburn feel about what what's going on. I agree with no. with, with what Shane is is about to say here. Yeah, exactly. Nothing that that was played on that on that field shows that why it shows that that he should still be our coach. And, and 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 it should it shows actually the opposite why he should not be our coach. I think that we should clean the slate now and let let Cadillac Williams finish the finish coaching out the season as our interim, and then and then go and go and throw you know as much money we can at at uh, whoever Lane Kiffin or, or whoever um, to to come and fix this this this. I, I'm I'm not going to say what he's going to say, but this crap show uh, that is <laughs> yeah. that is Auburn uh, Auburn 
football right yeah, now. Yeah, this situation. That's right. Hey, Shane, we appreciate the call, man. That's Shane here on On the Line. Look, that's a conversation that we're going to get into, I'm sure, and I'm sure other people feel this way, and we will get into that discussion as we go on through today and through the rest of this week. Um, I think one way to look at it is, look, it wasn't pretty, but you do get the win, right? And I, I think that there is something to be said about that now. Whether Auburn won the game or Missouri lost the game, I think that's the argument. Twice. That's the argument you can make, and you're 100% right. Missouri lost it twice, and there was more instances where they should have and could have won this game. Obviously, the missed field goal and the fumble at the end, right? That's where we saw Missouri lose the football game. But here's the only thing I think you could sort of hang your hat on you do get the win, right? No matter how it happens, no matter what the situation was, whatever it may be, Auburn did win the football game. Now, does it feel like it? No, not really. Do Auburn fans, are they happy with the win? No, they're not. And I don't think people at Auburn University are very happy about it either because of how it was done. This was a game and a a matchup where Auburn, talent-wise, should have dominated. I mean, let's just be honest. Talent-wise... Auburn should beat Missouri by a lot. I mean, let's just put it like it is. But that didn't happen. And even with the situation with the quarterbacks and with some other injuries and just everything that happened, Auburn should still win this game. But it just looked so ugly. That's the problem. And I think that's where Auburn fans are are really coming from. Because before the game, after the Penn State blowout, Auburn fans were like, okay, this is... Maybe it's, maybe it's time. Maybe this experiment with Brian Harson isn't working. But we wanted to see what Auburn looked like against Missouri. Well, you saw it. And it was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. And yes, you hung in there. Yes, you won the game. It was worse than I thought it was, it was going but to, it was bad. to look. It, it was bad. And I think that now, I think Shane, of course, he's the first caller of the day, But I think that's how a lot of Auburn fans are feeling, and they are on the train of, let's just cut this thing off right now. Let's just restart while while we're here, because if not, we're just waiting to do it later, and if this is the inevitable, why not do it now? I think that's where Auburn fans are starting to go. Just, I just want somebody to tell me, other than a win (laughs) and a loss, what would have changed for how you felt about the way this game was coached? If that field goal kicker makes a 26-yard field goal, if he makes a slightly longer extra a, point. A PAT, basically. Yeah. I mean, there is no, nothing would have changed about how the game was coached, and you walked out of that game 17-14 the other way. Mm-hmm. Why is why is that why is that enough for for a change in everything in everybody's mind, but a 17-14 win isn't? Because both of those coaches look totally inept. Auburn's been what? Outscored 98 to 18 in the second half? I mean, you had 59 yards of offense on the first drive. You finished with 217 total yards. It's crazy. It's you you ran for 82 on that Missouri team that got manhandled by K-State. And they ran for 235 on them. And everything about this, I mean, Tank Bigsby, 44 yards rushing 
You want to know what's wild about that? He had 62 yards after contact. Mm -hmm. He had 44 total rushing yards. Jarquez Hunter, 17 yards after contact. He had 13 rushing yards. The offensive line is really, really bad, and it's only going to get worse because now you're on your third center. You know what the situation with the offensive line? You know where I finally just put my hands up and said, okay, this offensive line is just not it? There was a play, and I tweeted about it. There was a play where it was a replay. I think it was uh, – I forget what it was. It, I can't remember if it was a run or a pass. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But there was a play, and they replayed it. And I literally – I have YouTube TV. I paused it, rewinded, and watched it again. There was an instant where two Auburn offensive linemen – there was one in front, and another guy pulled behind and was blocking his own guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the situation. He was behind him with his hands on his back on his own offensive lineman. I said, well, here we are. <laughs> I mean, if this is what's happening, I don't know what to say. I just think that is where we are. There's so much to go into, so much to talk about on this Auburn-Missouri game. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We're going to continue talking about it when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, as we continue breaking down the victory, question mark, of Auburn over Missouri 17-14 in overtime on Saturday. And Carter, I think what is just so surprising to me is the difference between the first two drives of the game on offense versus the rest of the game right Auburn goes up 14 to nothing early on Missouri and you're thinking and and I tweeted about this and I said look Missouri is not good right Missouri is not you could tell Missouri's not a good football team But Auburn looked different. They were at least doing something different than what they had done the first three games. Scheme looked a little different. Play calling looked a little different. You were getting Tank involved. Robbie Ashford was involved. I mean, things looked different on those first couple of drives for Auburn. Then they just decided, well, that's it. We're good. 14, that's all we need. We're fine. Defense is good enough. We just need 14 <laughs> points, and we're just going to be done with the whole thing. And they were almost right, which is hilarious. <laughs> or like, that's almost correct. Right. That's and almost so, exactly and how so let me ask you, in your opinion, what happened? I mean, why, what happened from Auburn going up 14 nothing to having to kick a field goal in overtime to win it 17-14? to Well, you, you come off your, your script. Your, your script early was clearly run heavy. Um and you get the, you're fortunate enough that hey, the the Auburn defense forced not one, technically but two. two. Technically two. Well, officially two cuz if yeah. the second one, oh gosh, but <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they forced that one. They got that one. That I'd say I'd you're say right. Technically, you're right. they that got is two. that was not a takeaway, that was a give away. A giveaway. But by, by yes. Missouri. But um yeah, I don't think I one. I don't think I had Derek Hall uh, marked up for the first interception of the season. Um, but good for him. I thought he played well. I thought Eku played well at times. But 
you get that short field and you're up 14 nothing and then you don't you you hardly sniff their side of the field you you don't have a drive you have three drives of the remaining what 10 the main, remaining 11 that even finish in Missouri territory and one of those it's an overtime drive that started at their 25 and ended at their 22. So I'm not even going to count that. Of, the, of your remaining 10 drives, two of them ended in Missouri territory with a missed field goal and a turnover on downs. And so what happened? They, well, it's just, you know what I don't like? You, well, one, you, you can't throw the football with Robbie Ashford. You can't. It's he's not good at it. You can't. I, you, you. I'm convinced you could put Tom Brady back there, and you're not going to be able to throw the football right now. I'm not going to go that far. I think but I would. We also got our first glimpse of Holden Gurner. He's not ready. He's not. He also got thrown to the wolves. That's fair. There were multiple plays where he which he, is, he took the snap all, all, and he looked up, and there were defenders at him. I mean, well, what's he more, supposed to do? All the, well, one one of his incomplete passes uh, didn't even go in the book as an incomplete pass because he. Threw it backwards on the as first he was pass falling, down. as he was, was getting that tackled. That was one of the weirder yeah. place. But like, you don't want to throw you don't throw a true freshman out there behind this offensive line right now. You had to because Robbie's banged up. But Holden's not ready. Robbie can't throw. You know what you would love to see? Wildcat the dadgum read option. Yeah, the dadgum read option. Yeah, but they don't run it. But can you, they? Can they run it? You you have to. If you you have good running backs and you got a really fast quarterback, that has to be used somehow. Somehow, it's not better. It's it's not better than running tank up the middle for one yard every time he touches the ball. Yeah, and or, that's or when it's a fourth and one. Yeah, running it for a loss of two and or whatever the, it was. And, and we saw that multiple times where you had short yardage gain, short yards to go, and you had tank in the backfield six seven yards deep. You had Robbie under center, or even sometimes in the shotgun, but most of the time under center, and they were handing the ball off to Tank, but he's five yards behind the line of scrimmage before he even gets the football. So now he's got to go six yards to get one. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. Have Tank right there the QB ready sneak. to go, or the QB sneak with QB Robbie sneak. Ashford. Why not? I think, I think that, that fourth and one, you QB sneak that. Well, one, you seriously give, th- give thoughts about kicking behind your offensive line. Yeah. Because your offensive line's been that bad all day. Two, if you go for it, you sneak it. Because the last thing you want to do is take the football backwards four yards and then say, hey, you're going to have to navigate through three or four guys that are going to get through. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to get back to the line of scrimmage and then another yard. And they're going to get through. If you're an Auburn fan and you saw what you saw on Saturday against a Missouri team that's not very physical, that's going to be the least physical team Auburn plays this year the rest of the way until maybe Western Kentucky. But maybe the the fear there is Western Kentucky can score and you can't. Yeah. Like, this is. I don't. I've never felt less confident going in. I haven't felt this, this, this little confidence going into a game as this LSU game. Since 2012. Since 2012. The the mojo right now around the program is not good. And um, you had 95 yards of offense in the second half, by the way. 95. Yeah. I mean, you can't even go the length of a football field in a half. I mean, it's it's not good. How many rushing yards do you think 
they had in the second half? I mean, 20, 20, 30. I don't know. Five. Well, there you go. Five. There you go. Even worse. (laughs) There you go. Look, I mean, Saturday was not pretty. I mean, I think we can all, everybody on both sides uh, around the SEC, around college football, can tell you Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium in a, a example of the Tiger Bowl was ugly as it gets. I mean, it was, it was so ugly. But Auburn does win. And I think the question becomes, and I think we know the answer, but the question becomes, is this win worth anything? And where does Auburn go from here? That's the big question. Where does Auburn, the football program, the school, where do they go from here with Brian Harson at the helm? Because, <laughs> because that's a big question right now. And like you said, yeah, Auburn gets the win, but is it really a win? Because the only thing that really changed between the win and the loss was a fumble. That's the only thing. If that fumble or a missed field goal, if those two, one of those two things doesn't happen, we're probably sitting here talking about Harson losing his job. And so now, where does Auburn go from here? That's the big question, and it's going to be something we debate all week long as Auburn gets ready for LSU. 30 minutes into hour number one. Stay tuned. We're going to talk to Joey Blackwell from Bama Central when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Well, as always here on Monday afternoons, we've got Joey Blackwell from Bama Central here with us on the line. Joey, how you doing, man? Alabama, again, I feel like we introduce you the same way every week. The vibes have got to be better in Tuscaloosa than they are in Auburn right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 55-3 victory over Vanderbilt, you know, not a lot of complaints. Uh, it really seems like this Alabama team, you know, while they had a lot of problems early on, and they still do, they still have some issues here and there, they really look like they're improving from week to week, and this was the latest uh, latest victim uh, being Vanderbilt this past weekend at Bryant City Stadium. Well, Joey, Alabama beats Vanderbilt 55-3. to They cover the 40-point spread. I'm impressed. Um, look, uh, we didn't think that Vanderbilt was going to be able to really compete in this ballgame, but 55-3 to is pretty much a beatdown in all, in all shapes. What was, uh, what was impressive in your mind of Alabama's win over Vanderbilt 55-3? to You know, I think a couple of things stick out to me right away. Obviously, you know, you've got – I. Uh, with Bryce Young, you know, 385 yards, four touchdowns on the day, uh, just putting up really good numbers. His best week pretty much, you know, of the season so far. Um, but then what impressed me about that performance is that he was able to target and complete passes to 12 different receivers on the day, which uh, whether they be running back, tight end, wide receivers, you name it, they were targeted and they were able to make passes. I'm also on offense sticking over there. I like what I saw out of wide receiver Jacory Brooks, you know, early on. He had a, he had a great day. Um, uh, 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 just overall, really solid performance. He, has, uh, he was Alabama's first uh, 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 receiver of the year to have over 100 yards, so six receptions for 117 yards and two touchdowns. 
But I think, honestly, what sticks out to me the most is this defense. You know, this Alabama defense so far has only given up two offensive touchdowns through four games. They've also only given up 29 points in general through the first four games. Uh, this team is only given 29 points. So, really, really productive defense so far. Will Anderson was finally able to get multiple sacks in one game, which is something that a lot of fans have been waiting on um, for him to finally heat up, uh, heat up, and that's what they got. So, really, really good stuff from Alabama this past uh, this past Saturday. Joey, when I, when you look at this at this performance by Alabama, it seems like they were clicking on all cylinders. Was there anything that stuck out to you that maybe Alabama struggled with on Saturday that that you were looking for them to improve going into this Arkansas week? Well, what I was looking, I think one of the things so far is that I'd really like to see them improve on is, is um, turning the ball over, or like not not the offense, but the defense being able to force turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so far this season, outside of Will Anderson's pick six, there hasn't been any other turnovers on the year um, forced by Alabama. So this is a team that heading into this year, we thought that was what it was going to thrive on. We thought his bread and butter was going to be able to was forcing offense to turn the ball over in tricky situations and get the ball back to the offense, and we really haven't seen that. Now, that being said, Stevens fails do just fine in particularly holding back a team's rushing game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they're playing a high-flying offense, like in Arkansas or a, or a Tennessee in a few weeks here or Texas A&M, they're really going to need to force the, you know, the, the turnovers more in order to keep up. So that's something that I'd like to see, and I'm, no doubt, you know, Henry Toho um, today during his press conference said that's something that they're looking out for and that they're practicing uh, more this week, so I think you know if if uh, history is uh, if, if history is worth repeating, uh, looks like they're going to maybe make some more adjustments this week and come out swinging against Arkansas. Well, Joey, does Alabama? I, this may be a, a, a weird question, but do they need to force turnovers if they're holding opponents to just a touchdown a game at, like they are right now through four games? You know, I, I think you know if they keep playing opponents like they have been, I think. That, force more turnovers but the problem is is that the, the most difficult offense they faced so far is texas you know and even then they you know texas was down at starting quarterback for over half the game and they were still able to put up 19 points against the crimson tide so once they start playing decent offense like you know with kj jefferson at arkansas or hinton hooker at tennessee um that's when the, the turnover game really matters so while they haven't struggled so far, it's definitely worth noting that it's something they need to work on uh, if they want to hang in games in the future. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, what is the message uh, from Nick Saban in your mind coming out of a game like this with a win as big as it is over a team like Vanderbilt who uh, just doesn't stack up talent-wise with Alabama? What, I mean, what is the message from Nick Saban coming out of a win like this? Well, I think it's the same message that he's been preaching all year and about the team struggled with last year, and that's, you know, the team. this team doesn't need to get complacent. Sure, a 55-3 to victory over Vanderbilt is, is, is a big win. I mean, regardless of whether it's Vanderbilt or not, it's still an SEC win. But this is a team that, that, you know, they were challenged in Texas, and they're about to go into an environment that's almost equally as hostile in Arkansas. Um, and this is an Arkansas team that's obviously really, really improved over Sam Pittman. K.J. Jefferson's having a fantastic year at quarterback. Their defense is really great. Drew Sanders at linebacker who used to play for Alabama is there and he's having a spectacular season so far. Um, so I think that the primary message from Saban is not get complacent. Don't get comfortable where you are. And we heard both uh, Henry Toho say that today um, alongside a couple other players. So you know that's definitely the message going into this coming week. Joey, we've 
We've spent some time here over these first few games for Alabama talking about those running backs and how nobody's really emerged and at times they could struggle on the ground. They certainly, uh, it worked on Saturday, 34 carries for 228 yards as a as an offense. Are we starting to see those running backs, that running back room, round into form? Or is this just an example of playing a completely outmatched opponent up front? You know, I think they're still trying to figure out their identity of running back. You know, and I think over the past four weeks, they've progressed. They, they've kind of slowed down on trying to find that bell cow and instead are starting to utilize them more as a committee. You know, even this past, we, we saw Jason McClellan lead the team with, I think he had 78 uh, yards on 11 carries. Mm-hmm. Right behind him was Jamarian Miller at 63 yards on nine carries. And he didn't come in until the fourth, you know, late, late in the game. So, um, I think that they're finally starting to figure things out. You know, they're also starting to realize that Jason McClellan is a good pass catching back, just like Jameer Gibbs is, and they're they're able to utilize them in both the passing and the running game. So I think the committee is the way that we're probably going to see this this running back core progress moving forward. But that being said, you know, like you said, 34 carries for 228 yards, you know, that's not shabby, and it doesn't matter if it's one guy doing all that work or or a bunch of guys, as long as it's that effective, then you might as well. Yeah, but ain't broke, don't fix it. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, let's start getting into this week's game. It could be uh, the biggest game around the SEC. Maybe got diminished just a little bit, but it's still a massive game between Alabama and Arkansas. Joey, this is a game uh, for the last few weeks now. You've been telling us it's a trap game for Alabama. Do you still feel that way coming into the game? Well, you know, it's funny. Last week I was sitting there thinking about how the Arkansas-Alabama game was, was no longer a trap game just because Arkansas was definitely on Alabama's radar. But now that Arkansas has lost to A&M, that might restore it to a trap game status. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, how Arkansas responds to that A&M loss is going to be a, a big factor in this game. You know, Duke has this team already given up this early because they now have that one loss? Or are they going to have a fire lit under them because they need to go out and prove themselves the rest of the year? I, you know, I think the, the latter is definitely more likely than the former uh, with Sam Pittman and how fired up this team is and how fired up he is and what they've been able to do so far. I mean, this team has already proven a lot of doubters wrong, even only four games into the season. But you know, if you're looking at the matchup of Alabama and, and Arkansas, I think one of the key things is that Arkansas defense as well has played well. It's given up over 300 passing yards every single game so far. And you're, you're playing against Bryce Young and a very talented group of wide receivers and a very talented group of pass-catching running backs um, that's really starting to, really starting, as we saw last week, really starting to gel and, you know, be more effective. So I think that's going to be a key to the game is how Arkansas' defensive backs respond to Bryce Young and his Crimson Tide offense. Joey, when you go, in, when you go on the road to, to a place like Arkansas, what is – what are some things that this this Alabama team needs to make sure they have uh, all their all their bows tied up and make sure everything is ready for what their second true road test here of this of the season? What are you what are you going to be looking for from this Alabama team as they go on the road in their first SEC road game? Yeah, you know I think it goes along with uh, you know, I'm going to reference Henry Toto for a third time <laughs> uh, in this call, but it goes back to what he was talking about today. You know he talked about how. This team needs to, you know, Saban last we talked about a couple weeks ago, talked about you know, the, the hateful mentality. And Toto echoed that today, talking about how he thinks the defense has kind of formed that over these past couple of weeks. But then also when it, when it comes to playing 
in opponent stadiums and playing on the road, how the goal should be, you know, to get the crowd quiet, you know, to quiet the crowds, as, as Nick Saban would say, to empty the stadium, you know. And I think that's the mentality that needs to have going into not just a big road environment like this at Arkansas, but every road game. I don't think this team had that mentality heading into Texas, but I think after that scare, that's really kind of turned things around for them and really made them aware of just how powerful an opposing environment can be. Joey, what is your what's your scouting report on Arkansas as Alabama gets ready to take on the Razorbacks on Saturday? What what has been your perspective so far of the Razorbacks through this point of the season? Well, you know, I, I think you know when it comes to offense, KJ Jefferson does a fantastic job, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of talk about how he's still a quarterback, but people kind of you know really often discuss his running game, but really his passing game is very underrated. You know, he's thrown for 941 yards and eight touchdowns through his first four games, and that's that's not too shabby. Um, he only has one interception on the year, and he has a really strong arm that's really capable of, of, of confusing defenses because you have to look for both his, his strong arm but then also look for his legs at the same time. He's very, very talented. So I don't think he gets a, a, enough credit. You know, the, the SEC obviously has a lot of talented quarterbacks, but uh, I think K.J. Jefferson needs a little bit more love. But that being said, I, I go back to their defense. Um, you know, with their defensive backs, they give up an average of over 300 passing yards per game to opposing offenses. So, um, Drew Sanders has had a has had a solid year at linebacker so far. Um, it's a shame what happened to him in Alabama and his injury that ended up, you know, being the reason why he didn't start and had to transfer. But um, he's done a terrific job with them and, and you know, kind of becoming a leader very quickly on that Arkansas defense. And um, just that that those are some quick cliff notes. Uh, in terms of scouting report, I think this is a really, really good Arkansas football team. Joey, when you uh, when you look forward to this game, what are what are some matchups that you feel really strong about individually for Alabama, and then some ones that maybe you are worried about going into Saturday? Um, you know, worried about. I worry about um, particularly Alabama's defensive backs and KJ Jefferson. It's kind of the same story. Um, for both sides, well, Alabama's run defense has been really, really solid on the offensive on the defensive line. Um, but I am concerned a little bit about the defensive backs. You know, there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this Alabama DB unit. Um, it's still not sure every game. You never really know who's going to start. Um, that's there's you know still not a lot of clear cut starters there. So um, that being said, this is a solid defensive backs unit. But I think they're going to have their hands full. I think Jefferson is um, going to be the best quarterback that they hopefully play for four quarters. Um, uh, you know, so far this season. And then on offense, I'm really interested to see, you know, how this offensive line stacks up. You know, Arkansas has a really good defensive line, particularly on the interior. Um, their linebackers are, are very good at, at getting, creating pressure on the outside and protecting the pass in the middle of the field. So I, I want to see how that plays out. I think that ultimately could be a key battle in this game because, you know, this offensive line really has kind of overperformed the first four games. But it hasn't really had a lot of a lot of pressure up front. So you know, if Bryce Young's forced to make some bad decisions, you know that could be the recipe for success for Arkansas. Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on on the line. Joey, we appreciate you as always coming on and talking Alabama with us, man. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you and your coworkers are doing with Bama Central. Absolutely, everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports, and we'll have uh, we have game coverage every week, and all the press conferences covered. For not just football, but basketball started up today. And all that coverage, you can find it all at BamaCentral.com and on Twitter at BamaCentral. Um, 
you guys so much for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. Appreciate always, it, always enjoy talking to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Look, they've got a game this weekend, and don't want to say it was diminished, but it kind of was with Arkansas losing to Texas A&M, which was sort of a shock to me, but we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more uh, in the second hour, talking about some reactions to uh, to the, the results around the SEC, but this is probably... Alabama's biggest test so far is Arkansas on the road. It's a trap game, according to Joey Blackwell. He's been saying it, and uh, they've got a tough one in Fayetteville on Saturday. Let's take our final break in this first hour. We'll come back, talk about the Atlanta Braves as they get ready for the home stretch in their 2022 regular season. All that and more here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us here on the show talking all things Alabama football uh, as they get a big win over Vanderbilt. I say a big win. That's in the by margin of victory, not by moral victory. It's 55 to 3 victory for the Tide over Vanderbilt. But talking about them previewing, or I guess previewing their game against Arkansas on Saturday. Uh, we'll see how Alabama. Alabama performs on the road for their second road game of the season, first in the SEC. So we'll see how they perform. But again, big thank you to Joey Blackwell, who joins us every single Monday afternoon. Well, looking at the Atlanta Braves, as we are down to just a few more games left, three series left in the regular season for the Braves, and it's been an up and down past couple of series for the Braves. They beat the Nationals 2-1 to in the series, then they split with the Phillies on the road. They lose the first two, but they're able to bounce back and win the other two, so they didn't, you know, they didn't lose any ground in this series, but they didn't make up any ground either. Yeah, I mean, so the uh, Mets, what what did they do on the week? I, so, I, I missed that this weekend. So uh, I was talking about the Braves just in their series in general, but in the last five games, so the last two series for the Mets, they took two of three from Milwaukee and two of three from Oakland. So, so, they, so the, the Braves lost, what, half a game? Technically, yes. Yeah, okay. and so now, now the Mets have two games at home against the Marlins, while the Braves have three games on the road at the Nationals. So... Both teams are probably going to win their next few games, if we're just being honest. I think the Mets could probably take both of those games against Miami at home in New York. Uh, Atlanta, you would would, would would love to see them sweep. I would hope the Marlins can get one. Maybe. Get one, just because I I just think that they are a better team than than the uh, Nationals. I know it's on the road for the Braves, but I think the Braves... The Braves need to get two out of three at least. They probably need to sweep. And you you gotta hope the Marlins the Marlins go and get one somehow. Uh so just kind of an update on the upcoming series for the Braves against the Mets. This is according to David O'Brien, who is a uh, he's a big Braves writer. He uh, he says for those looking he he sent this out yesterday. He said for those looking ahead to next weekend's big Braves Mets series in Atlanta, the Braves plan to start Max Fried, Kyle Wright, and Charlie Morton in that order. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. The Braves are going to be starting Max Fried Friday. It's the three best on three best yep. for both for both 
rotations this yep. weekend. Freed, Wright, and Charlie Morton for the Braves. And then this is a this is not in any order. They have not decided this yet. The Mets haven't. But it's Chris Bassett, Jacob Degrom, and Max Scherzer. Those are the three going for the Braves or for the Mets. So on, on ESPN.com, they've got it: Bassett, Degrom, Scherzer. Okay, well, order. this was yesterday, so maybe they've got it. Maybe the or the Mets have I solidified think, I that. Think ESPN.com just has it in the the way that they would cycle through is Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer in that order. Got you. Okay. So regardless, but it's, it's, the Braves it's are best, having to it's, face it's the best, best on, of the best. It's best on best yep. this, this whole series. Yep. So that is this weekend. And just an update on that here on ESPN 106.7, we are going to carry all three games of the Braves and the Mets. It's on ESPN radio. We're going to have all three games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that. We'll have the national ESPN broadcast. It's going to be a big, big weekend of live events here on ESPN 106.7 and our sister stations here from Auburn Networks. We're going to have Lee Scott High School football Friday night on AU100. We're going to have Auburn High School football on Wings 94.3 on Friday night. Saturday, we're going to have Alabama Arkansas right here on ESPN 106.7. We're going to have the Braves Mets game here on ESPN 106.7. We're going to have the after the game show after Auburn and LSU play. Then on Sunday, we're going to have an NFL game and then we're going to have the series finale of the Braves and the Mets. This is a series that will determine the National League East champs. I'm telling you, I said it a month ago, I'm saying it again. Whoever wins this series this weekend against Braves and Mets, they will win the division. And so you want to make sure you're right here on ESPN 106.7 catching all of the action this weekend. It is a jam-packed sports weekend on ESPN 106.7. But um, look, the Braves got to take care of business before. They got to beat the Nationals. You got three games. You need to win at least two, if not sweep on the road. Yeah, I I, I think you got to... In order to keep them in in arms inside striking range here, you need to go sweep on the road. You need to go sweep on the road and gear up for a huge, huge, huge series this this weekend. And I just don't know. I, I like I I don't feel good about the Braves winning the NL East. And I started to say that last week. We'll see. It's a game and a half lead for the Mets over the Braves. It's all coming down to the final week and a half. Hour number one, officially in the books. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more college football conversation in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful, gorgeous, 
No cloud in the sky Monday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 1067. Well, if you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. You can find it there or at ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. You can also find our SEC football challenge there as well. And so make sure you go and do that. Uh, in the first hour, we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, uh, recapping Alabama's 55-3 to win over Vanderbilt and also previewing their game against Arkansas this Saturday. So that was in the first hour. We talked some Auburn and Missouri as well. But I mentioned the SEC Football Challenge, and congratulations to David Bird, who is the Week 4 winner of the SEC Football Challenge. So congratulations. He wins a $25 Visa gift card from the Orthopedic Clinic and a 12-pack of Pepsi from Buffalo Rock Pepsi. David went 10 for 10 this week in Week 4. So congratulations. Uh, He is your Week 4 winner. So big thank you to our sponsors, the Orthopedic Clinic, Buffalo Rock Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Wickles Pickles. You can enter. It's not too late. Week 5 is underway. You can go and make your pick from around the Southeastern Conference at ESPNAU.com. Click on the Contest tab, and you can make your picks. Uh, One winner each week wins a little prize and a 12-pack of Pepsi. Winner at the end of the season, you're still in play for the 50-inch flat screen 4K Ultra HD TV. All the the bells and whistles on it. You can uh, get yourself into the drawing into the contest i should say for that so that's all at espnau.com let's start hour number two by heading to the phone lines 334-321-1390 terry is here on the monday edition of on the line terry auburn won on saturday did they really (laughs) they can you believe it they did they won there's a w next to it well i talked to some friends of mine who were at the game and they said when they were leaving something felt like they'd been to a funeral and I said, oh, you're right. It kind of it kind of was because Brian Harson and Eli, Eli Drinkers are going to both be looking for jobs. I'm telling you what. Well, that's what I told Carter. I said, have you ever won a football game or won something in life but felt like you lost? You know what it's like, Jacob. It's like it's like I know I've known guys who've done this, and 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 guys, you you wait, you wait your whole life to go out with a certain girl, and it seems to be a disappointment. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And, and, and then then you you say, well, it wasn't that great. So that that's kind of well what. You know. Well, what what wait, did so you is, what did you wait, think on Saturday, is, Terry? Is, does that mean Brian Harson is the girl that you've been waiting to go out with here in this in this <laughs> of like a, this comparison? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, um, what what was your what was your thoughts on Saturday, man? I don't know who said that. I can't remember the individual who said this, but there was somebody that said, "What? Why would you put off what needs to be done now for later?" Yeah. Yeah, well, I can't remember who said that, but but they got it pegged. That's what needs to be done. Because I heard I heard people say, well, Brian Harsin can string together seven and five in the direction he gets. He needs to, he needs to keep it off for one more year. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, I, he needs to go. He, the, he's lost the team. I'm sorry, Carter. He's lost the team, and the team has lost him. Uh, this I don't know about you guys, but this game reminded me of the South Carolina game last year. They get off to a really good start, and they just you know just just fall apart. Terry, and, and, I, Terry, I felt better about that team at South Carolina than I do about this one right now. And, and like, well, I, can, I, 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 that. I think if you roll both those teams out there right now, that 2021 team that played at South Carolina might win by two touchdowns. Well, guys, the, 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 the missed field goal 
which was basically an extra point. The fumble, which you should never try to switch balls in the hands on the way to the end zone. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but the sequence of downs when they, when they caught the long pass down like the two yard line, and the quarterback just wanted to center the ball out of the field. Why don't Why don't you go ahead and score? That's what I said. That's 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 losing the game right there. That's kind of like. The going for two against Alabama, Jacob, you spoke of. Jacob, you and Carter both have spoke of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's. I, I've always said that, and you see that a lot of times in, in college and in the professional game where they get down within field goal range and they just play for the field goal instead of trying to put the game away if you have the chance to do it. That almost never works. I mean, sure, sometimes it does. I, but think, I think statistically speaking, it probably is the right move. But how but- many times have you seen it go wrong? I mean, yeah, but I mean, how, how many times have you seen it go right? I mean, I watched LSU do it to Auburn in 2018, and that. But and why th- would you go ahead, Joe Carter? I'm sorry. And that game, I remember watching it, thinking, "Man, this LSU team's not better than this Auburn team." Joe, Joe Burrow in that game couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a pass. He just get, got PIs all the way down the field, and then they sat on it and kicked a game-winning field goal. But, but I, I like look. I think your strategy there is. Your thought process is you're running the clock all the way down and make, giving them as little time as possible to go the length of the field and score. The issue there, Auburn can't throw. Auburn can't throw. They really can't run the ball either. They haven't sniffed uh, points really in the second half at all. And, I yeah, I look, I think in that scenario, when you take into the, circ- the, the, the external factors of what Auburn was doing on offense that whole game, I tried to score the touchdown and just put the nail in the coffin there. I agree, but I think most situations it's probably statistically the right decision to knee it out and kick the field goal because it should be an extra point. I mean, you're what, 99% on extra points basically in any given school generally? But, mm-hmm. I mean, that was horrible. I Everything about that, the ending, like I think I was on the ground laughing at the fumble at the end just because I was like, this is – I don't think I've seen – a team give away a game more. That is the definition of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, what what Missouri did on Saturday. You know, you, Jacob, you were asking earlier, has Auburn ever won a game you thought they were going to lose? I look back at the Jacksonville State game. I think, that, I think that's a game that Jacksonville State gave away. Yeah, I mean, and, and how many times have we seen that in Auburn's history, right? I mean, just and, – and, you know, and, and I, I've seen some storylines, and I don't buy into it, but I've seen some storylines. Is this a blessing in disguise? I just don't think so, right? I mean, I, I, Terry, I don't think you think that either, right? Anybody no, any, no. anybody who tries to say that this team, like, he get hot and get to seven wins, just somebody tell me where another win is happening. Like, much less seven – much less four more wins to get to seven wins, or three more wins to get to a bowl game. Tell me where another win is on this schedule because I don't. You're not beating LSU Saturday based on the team that we just watched this past Saturday. You're not winning at the Mississippi schools or at Georgia. You're not beating Arkansas. I still think, despite their loss to AM, they're a good, good team. AM maybe starting to figure things out. And at that point, you've lo- you've reeled off a bunch of losses in a row, and a Western Kentucky team's coming to town that can score. I don't think Auburn can score. Yeah, well, Jacob and Carter, if somebody can convince you how they can win four more games and get to seven and five, please go buy me a lottery ticket. <laughs> we'll and buy let multiple. Me, let, me, let me piggyback on what you said a minute ago about the, uh, the same game, Saturday, Missouri. Um, when you get the ball down to the two-yard line, go ahead and punch it in because Auburn has shown no ability to drive the field Agreed. at all. That, that, that makes sense. And that's why the drinkers will get fired, and that's why he should be fired. I mean, Auburn showed no, no ability to drive the field at all, and you just punch in and put the nail in the coffin, as you said. 
I think I think you saw a matchup right there on Saturday of the two worst coaches in the conference. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and you're looking at a recruiting class what in the forties. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so I mean, it's not about wins and losses, Jacob McCarter. It's about the direction of the program. You're right. You're and, right about that. Overall, people are missing that point. And the overall direction is bad. It's real bad. And it's gonna be worse next year. State and, yeah, I realize what's across state, what's across state line. I realize that, and, you, and everybody should. But the, the overall direction of the program is terrible. Yeah, and it's just it's it's just so hard right now with with those external uh, uh, schools of Georgia and Alabama. You've got to have some positivity and some form of direction that is in the positive way. And you're right, Terry. Right now, it's not going the correct way. It's good to hear uh, from well, you, man. Well. Oh, by the way, Jacob, you, yeah. you checked out the University of Tennessee lately. Look at the direction they're going. That, yeah, that's you're right. What you need, that, that's what you need to be aware of right there. Mm-hmm. Take care, guys. Yeah, appreciate, pre- it. appreciate it, Terry. Appreciate it. That's Terry here on On the Line. He's right. I, I mean, it's not just about the wins and losses. Sure, you win on Saturday. It wasn't pretty. And, you know, there's there's times where, where we've seen Auburn and other schools and other teams that we like and, and cover and all that where they've won an ugly game. And you, and you go, after the game, you sit back and you go, you know, that wasn't pretty, and they should have won by more, but they didn't, but they won the game, right? And yeah. there's times where you've done that. But Terry's exactly right. It's not just about the wins and losses. You would think that is, but it's not, especially in this town, in this state, in this conference, in today's game of college football. It's not just about the wins and the losses. Terry's right. It's about where the program is at and where the program is going. And mm-hmm. the future of Auburn football right now is dark. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. It's 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 bad and crappy to put it that way, but when you look across the state and across state lines, where does Auburn go? There is no room to grow right now because of what they are doing compared to what Auburn is doing. I think that's important because just because those two schools are having success doesn't mean Auburn can't have success, but what they are doing right now in comparison to what Auburn's doing, that is where the line is drawn and that is where the separation is because Auburn is so far behind and yet they hired a guy thinking he was going to be able to close the gap and it turns out that's probably just not the case. I don't think he's put in the work on the recruiting trail to compete and I think that's as big if not a bigger a bigger issue than what we're seeing on the field because every single game right now, Brian Harson and his coordinators are getting out coached. Every single game, even even against San Jose State, they're getting out coached. But I think that when you talk about the future of the program, if you get the right person in place for 2023, I don't think the future is as dark as everybody's going to make it out to be because, and I think. Your, your example is what's going on at Tennessee, is what has gone on at Arkansas. Arkansas was at the low of the low. They had lost to, what, how many G5 teams in a row? Mm-hmm. And they bounced back quickly. Tennessee's bounced back here. And then go look at Michigan State. They went from a three-win team to a ten-win team like that. Granted, they're struggling this year because they ran into a couple teams who right now I think were very underrated and are really good in Washington and Minnesota this year. But I don't I think in the age of NIL, in the age of the transfer portal, you can rebuild and especially now that there's not going to be the the 25 person limit on your signing class, you can get back 
fairly quickly. And Auburn has the things to do that. I think Auburn is in a much better place in, in NIL than they were this time a year ago. I agree. I think that you now have this football facility that's about to be done that basically whoever the next coach is is going to be moving into, that is assuming Brian Harson does not survive the next month, which you and I both know where we stand on that. But there are a lot of positives around Auburn right now. And I don't think it's that difficult to get it back. It is bad right now. And next year's not going to be pretty. But you can get it back quickly. And I think that the right person can do that. But you have to make the right hire. And you have to get the right athletic director in place. If you don't do that, because that's what's happened right now, is a series of bad hires have put you in this position right now. And I think it's important to realize, too, on that note, as we get ready to go to break, whoever, whether it's Brian Harson or somebody else as the coach this time next year, beginning of next year, whatever, you've got to realize that Auburn right now, or let's just talk about next year, 2023, Auburn is not going to win recruiting battles against Alabama and Georgia. You're just not going to do it. You, you cannot expect to do that off the rip. You cannot expect to compete with I them. Know, I know somebody who can. It's not going to happen. Even if he's here, it's still I not going to happen. I agree with that. I, you, he will win. If, if Deion Sanders was the head coach at Auburn, he would win some of those battles. Because he can't. You know why? He can't guarantee wins, championships, and sending guys to the pros. He can't guarantee that. He There's just, two guys in this league that can. He just beat out Georgia and FSU for the number one player in the country at an FCS school. I don't care what, what the money hand signal. I don't care about that. What what makes you think? You know who does do care that about here? that? The player that just committed there. That's what he cares about. But Auburn can't Wait. give that. They can. They have money, but they don't have great NIL money. There is quite literally nothing different NIL-wise at Jackson State and Auburn. I promise you that. Auburn can do Auburn can be on a level playing field with just about everybody in this country NIL-wise, except for Texas AM and Texas. Well, they those have, are those are outliers. They have giant oil drums filled with cash <laughs> right right but but, but i just it, the the narrative that auburn can't compete in nil is just false i'm saying in recruiting i'm saying auburn against saying, alabama and georgia Deion sanders is somebody that can come in and win some of those battles right he can now. win some of them yes that's but where i'm going with that is you said they weren't gonna win any of them with some of them you can you can pull some of them but nine times out of ten the guy's going to choose Alabama or Georgia before he chooses Auburn. It doesn't you, matter who the coach is. Deion Sanders, if you if he was here for four years, at the end of those four full years, it would be the most talent Auburn's ever had on its roster at any point of all time. Would he even get four years? Yes. Would he? Yes. I don't know. I think you're Cause right. Because I, I think he he's built a really good coaching staff at Jackson State. Where you're going with that, I agree. I think if a guy like Deion Sanders got the chance to coach here and got to do what he wanted to do. battles on the recruiting trail. I agree. It would take time is what I'm trying to get at. It would take time. He would get some guys. And a good coach could win small battles like that and build up time and build up these players as time goes on. But what I'm saying is, and the direction I'm going here is, you would have to 
give that guy time and let him build a, f- a foundation, put the roots in the ground, and win those battles player by player instead of trying to pull and expect a top 10 class every single year his first year as a head coach. That's where unrealistic expectations come in because where Auburn is right now compared to where Alabama and Georgia are right now, you are not going to pull multiple guys away from those coaches and programs to come to Auburn. You're just not going to do it. Over time, maybe. But right now, that's not going to happen. Not this cycle. but give Not him a, the give, next cycle. Give them a full cycle. Not even the next cycle. I don't it would take multiple cycles put together and wins on the field together. An, Deion Sanders is an icon in the sport and everything about him just oozes confidence. I and agree. Cooled, and I agree. People want to play for that. But you still got to be able to guarantee wins, championships, and pros. You got to be able to guarantee those three things. You got to be able to guarantee that you can get guys to the pros. Who better? And it, like you can you can send Deion Sanders into any cornerback in the country's living room and say, "Hey, I'm the greatest corner of all time. Yeah. Come play for me. I will get you to the league." But he's still got to do it. Still got to do it at a high level. And that's and what I'm he, saying. And I'm and I'm saying I think he can because I think he does a really good job of hiring his staff. I, agree. I like his staff a lot. I at do Jackson too. State. I think somebody like him could do it here. Now, will it happen? Plus, plus, I don't know. By the way, his son would be the best quarterback on Auburn's campus since at least Jared Stidham. Maybe Nick Marshall. Yeah, Stidham. Oh, oh. don't don't get me on the Stidham stuff. I I love Jared Stidham and him coming to Auburn. Ooh, man, <laughs> don't want to get into that. But hey, let's get to our first break in this first in this second hour. Shane, hang on the line, man. We're gonna get to you right after the break. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'd love for you to be a part of the show as well. More of on the line when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390. Welcoming in Shane. You're back on the line, man. How are you? Hey, guys. I just wanted to chime in on y'all's passionate debate. (laughs) Passionate's (laughs) Um, a good word for it. It's good. I like it. Um, I I I uh, I gotta agree with Carter on this one. I I think that uh, if if I'm not saying I, I even want Dion as my number one, I, I would take Kiffin if we could get him. Yeah, I think he would do. Agreed. I think he would do uh, an amazing job at recruiting and as as well as to the coaching and the and the um, the building of of the talent. But if it's Dion Sanders is coming to Auburn, we have a top ten class this next. This next cycle, Agreed. and then beyond that, beyond that, it, it, it will only go up. We'll we'll win battles against Alabama and against Georgia. A hundred percent agree. That's just the guy. Uh, that's just the guy's uh, personality. Um, I mean, he's prime. You know what I mean? It, it, like he, he, I just, I just, I just think that if he were to come here, he would recruit immediately, and then he might not be the best coach. I don't know. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a seen him coach a game, but. I know that he can bring talent in, and I know he is talent, mm-hmm. and I know he can see talent, and I know talent can see him, and it wants, probably would want to be around the dude. Um, so I'm just saying, if if he if we were to go that that direction, the the, the talent would come, and within the next the, the year in a, or two years, we would have the talent to compete. Then it's just if we would have the coaches in place to um, evolve those players and and beat the the likes of. You know, Georgia's and Alabama's. Mm-hmm. But 
Shane, Shane, I agree. I mean, he he took a four and eight Jackson State program. They won eleven games last year. They're four and zero to start this year. They're outscoring opponents one hundred ninety seven to I think thirty eight, uh, which is impressive yeah. out the gate. But I agree. I mean, I think he comes in and he's one of the few guys who can go sit in a living room and go toe to toe with with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and win those battles because of. The personality, because of the charisma, because of the right. legend that is Prime. Also, here's a question for you: If Deion Sanders is the next coach at Auburn, does like Aflac just decide, hey, we're going to sponsor the Iron Bowl because our the two faces yeah, of our, of our ad campaign are the coaches at Auburn and Alabama? <laughs> for real, I mean that would be uh, that would be something. I, I, I just think that he did, he's not he wouldn't be scared to 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 tackle these these big you know big recruits. Agreed. He's not going to be scared of Nick Saban or, or Kirby Smart. He he feels I'm sure he feels like he can bring whoever he wanted to in each position. I'm sure he feels that he can win that battle. And uh, we just don't we haven't had that type of like I would say leadership in a in a while. And um, you know it would just be nice to actually win some of these battles. Uh, yeah, there, were, there would be talent the, uh, on the roster like we have never seen at Auburn in my mind. And and if yeah. he if he gets somebody to help him build it through the trenches, it could yeah. be a really really talented team. And I think it could be that very very quickly. I mean, it remains to be seen on the coach him up side of it. But as far as pure talent, getting it on the roster, he's the yeah. fastest and he's the quickest and best way to get to turn over the talent on the roster as fast as possible. I I agree with you on that. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Hopefully we'll know soon. Yeah, hey Shane, we appreciate you calling back in and chiming in on that three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We got about uh, two or three minutes before we get out of here on this uh, in this segment. Remember, we're going to talk to uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at three thirty to kind of give my two cents on on Shane's comments and on and on everything with, that we've been going in on here. I'm not saying that Deion Sanders wouldn't be a great coach here or a great recruiter nonetheless, right? He could recruit, but even in his first, second, and then it would take years, like three to four years at least, for even somebody like Deion Sanders to recruit at a heavy, heavy dose here at Auburn. Could he go in and pick up some of these guys? Yeah, sure. Two, three cycles ago, Gus Malzahn had the 12th class in the country, and you're telling me Deion Sanders – Versus Gus Malzahn in a living room, Deion Sanders couldn't co- recruit circles around that man. I I know he could, but I'm saying that with the level that Alabama and Georgia are on right now, it would take years for somebody even to the level of well, Deion yeah, Sanders to, 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 to get, get to that level because they're at a different level. I'm not even saying to get to that level. I'm saying to get enough talent to compete with them year in and year out. Let me hold that thought. We've got two minutes before we get to break. we got a caller. I want to get to him. 334-321-1390. Bama Dog, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? We're doing, doing great, right. man. we got about a minute and a half, so what you got? Look, so if y'all saying that uh, Deion Sanders might be coming to Auburn, you know if Nick Saban, if I was Nick Saban, you know what I'd do? What's that? I retire early. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like it. How about that? I mean, that? I don't think he'd do it, but I like the thought. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate it, man. Enjoy our show. Hey, we appreciate, appreciate you it. calling Thank in, you. man. We appreciate hearing from you. That's a thought. Look, what, what, look, what, <laughs> what I'm what I'm saying here is, you competed with Alabama last year without without the talent that he could bring in. You dominated 
Alabama and Georgia in 17 without the level of talent that Deion Sanders can put on the roster. So we've seen teams compete with Alabama without without that talent. I mean, Alabama's great. They're what what Nick Saban's done is the greatest dynasty of all time. He's the greatest coach ever. But you can the fastest way to get the most talent to be able to be level enough cuz you have to be at a certain talent level to really compete with these guys year in year out. Auburn hasn't been there in a while, and he can get the most talent on the roster and get you, because there is a freezing point where you have to get to to be able to compete. If you don't meet it, you're going to get beat 55-3 to like Vanderbilt did because they don't have the talent. But I'm saying he can get you there faster. He can can get you there faster than a lot of people. I'll give you that. But it's still going to take time. And the question that we're at, or we were at coming into this season with Auburn and Brian Harson was can he win and can he get you to the pros and can he get you wins? That would still be the question with Deion Sanders. He's going to get you more talent, but that would still be the question. You have to compete in the SEC with Alabama and Georgia. Harson never had that. You're right. We got to get to break. We're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on this Monday afternoon. We'll take a break from our uh, crazy uh, discussions with Auburn football in the future. (laughs) We're going to talk to a man who knows a thing or two about Auburn football, Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, happy Monday, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How how are you guys doing? We are good in here, and uh, we've been fired up for the last thirty minutes or so, <laughs> yelling at each other about uh, about the uh, future of Auburn football. But yeah, can't say I'm shocked by that. Right, right. <laughs> not not with the gentleman in this room, but Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Let's dive into what we saw on Saturday. Auburn beats Missouri seventeen to fourteen in overtime. Uh, just your initial reactions to the game and the result. Yeah, not the prettiest uh, result, as you would obviously, uh, as you guys have probably alluded to several times so far today. Um, but a win is a win, especially in SEC play. You're one and zero. You know, you're at the top of the SEC West, so that's something that uh, you got to move forward with. But uh, looking at some of the things that you really need to clean up, I like what I saw on defensively, but the offensive side is where you want to find that consistency because you saw uh, Tank Bigsby get. You know the number of carries that you that you'd like to see. 19 attempts. That's what you want, but only 2.3 yards per attempt. So you want to make sure that he's that average is jumping up a little bit more, and he's not getting stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. I think there was a stat out there. He had 62 yards after contact, but only 40 something rushing yards. That shows you that he's getting hit behind the line of lot, but he's still making something out of nothing. Uh, I'd like to see him uh, not have more <laughs> yards after contact than he does total rushing yards. So I, I think that's the big thing we're looking forward to, and. Uh, obviously, with that injury to Tate Johnson, it's going to be interesting to see if the offensive line is shuffled around. Right now, it's just looking like Jaleel Irvin will uh, fill in for Tate Johnson, but you, you never know what might happen throughout the weeks. They, there might be some reshuffling uh, up front. Well, Jacob, I'm glad you brought up the the injury to Tate Johnson because that was going uh, to be my next question. What what does this mean for Auburn's offensive line that has already struggled pretty heavily throughout the re- or throughout this season so far? What does the injury to Tate Johnson mean for the offense? 
it's hard to say right now exactly what is going to happen up there because, like I said, I think I think the hope is just to just to fill take uh, take Johnson's spot with Joel Urban. But if if there's a better uh, uh, setup for those five guys up front, then then Coach Harson and, and that coaching staff is not afraid to to take it and, and just move guys around if you need to because it it just has not been consistent up to this point. You, you give up four sacks on Saturday and you average 1.8 rushing yards per uh, attempt. Obviously, that includes some sacks as well, so you can't really it, – it's a little bit higher than that, but it, it's still – you don't have that consistency factor in it yet. and You might want to look at uh, shuffling some guys around. I think I think Avery Jernigan is a guy that might move up to center. He, he, he was the third string going into the season after Nick Brahms. Uh, went down with those with that knee injury, and I think Brandon Council's gotten a little bit of time at center during the off season and the preseason. But I don't know exactly where you're going to see the the reshuffling, other than at the center position. But that's that's what Coach Harson said. They're just going to evaluate it as the week goes, and and who knows who we'll see on Saturday. Jacob, as we've seen kind of all year, the passing game's been a little bit inconsistent. And uh, with the depth chart coming out this week, it looks like it's going to be Robbie Ashford's start again. What are some things that Auburn can do and needs to do to help him feel more comfortable back there and allow him to get in a in a rhythm against this LSU team and then the uh, rest of the year? Well, the good thing is he didn't have any really bad mistakes on Saturday. So uh, he, he's improving in that aspect where you saw him make better decisions and not uh, make any of those bad throws like he made in the first few weeks. The, the only issue with that is a lot of these passes have been kind of checked downs and shorter passes as long as pass on the day was 24 yards and I think it was that trick play that Coy Moore was supposed to throw but I don't think it was actually a, a, a backwards pass I think it was a forward pass so uh, just Coy Moore made, making a play was really nice but John Samuel Shanker also had an 18-yard reception so uh, trying to get him to throw it downfield more I think is something that you want to see uh, uh, you didn't really see Javarius Johnson do much he had no reception I think he had a couple of targets but uh, letting him stretch the field like he did in those first few weeks. Now, I think that it might be a case of T.J. Finley really liking Javarius Johnson. Asher might not have that chemistry with them yet, but I still think you have to go to the guy that's really been carrying your pass game all year, and that, that is Javarius Johnson. But it was nice to see guys like Camden Brown get hit, uh, Camden Brown get his first two receptions. Uh, Amar, Amari Kelly, out of nowhere, gets his first reception of the season. So it's good to see they're throwing different guys out there uh, just to target, and see what happens when they get the ball and like I said Brown and Kelly they were the ones that set up that uh that second touchdown of the game so uh just seeing different receivers out there getting action is is nice to see I think Coy Moore is is a guy that uh, moving into a starting spot he's going to be a big time difference maker in the passing game we're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, in the first couple of drives of the game on Saturday, Auburn goes up 14 to nothing. Uh, the game plan was simple, run the football. And we saw them do that. We saw them do it successfully. And then from then on out, they didn't. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. What changed in your mind, uh, whether it was game plan or mindset or whatever the case may be, what changed with Auburn's offense from that point on? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what changed, but it was definitely uh, just you're not getting those chunk plays like you were at the beginning of the game in the running game. I think Auburn started the game with a dozen or maybe even 15 straight rushing plays before you threw a pass, and that's something you'd like to do and have success with, but you're not going to be able to do that against every defense. Obviously, Missouri's defense isn't the same as, 
as a Georgia or a Texas A&M or an Alabama or even an LSU coming up this week. So you're going to have to find ways to uh, stretch the defense in and open up holes whenever they start to stack up the box against Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Uh, I mean, something else, I mean, you're talking about as the game went along, things went downhill a little bit. And I think a really good stat is in the first quarter of third down conversions, Auburn is throughout the season, Auburn is 53.3% conversion rate. And then second quarter goes down to 30%, third quarter down to 25%, and fourth quarter down to 16.7%. And I think that has to do with not getting those chunk plays and and you're behind the sticks and behind the chains on, on your third downs. And with inexperienced quarterback play, obviously converting third and 12 isn't the easiest thing in the world. And setting up a third and five for Robbie Ashford is something that you want to see. It's something that it felt like, I mean, going back to 2013 when you have Nick Marshall and Trey Mason, when it was third down and four shorter, you felt really comfortable because of that zone read. Now, obviously, the zone read that uh, Ashford's running with in this offense isn't the same as that. It's still, you just feel more comfortable in a third down and four situation with uh, a rushing quarterback who can really just make anything happen with his legs. And, and that's what Robbie Ashford can do. So uh, just, just making sure you're consistent with those chunk plays because it felt like in the first quarter, you know, taking Vicks, he's ripping off. Uh, these eight-yard runs that really, really set you up for success. And then later in the game, he's getting hit four yards behind the line of scrimmage, and that's that's not going to get it done. Yeah, talking about those those running backs, Tank Bigsby, 44 yards rushing. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, 13 yards rushing. But I believe the yards after contact were 62 for Tank and then 17 for Jarquez. What needs to happen with this offense to allow those guys to at least to get back to the line of scrimmage before they are – running into defenders in the backfield? I think it has to start with the passing game, to be honest. I think that uh, when there's more uh, downfield passing, then the the running game will open up a little bit. Now, obviously, uh, the offensive line has been the talk uh, uh, lately and how they need to improve. And their starting center goes down, and and there's question marks up there that we've already discussed. So I think to to start off is just making sure you're – you're going downfield with these passes. 24 yards shouldn't be your longest pass, especially when that was a, a broken trick play that your receiver made a great play on. I think that if you're going downfield, you know, I mean, look for some 15-yard dig routes. And I think Ashford had some plays where that were just missed. I think I can't. It was one where he threw across his body, but it, it almost worked out. It went right through the hands of the receiver. Uh, it would have been a it would have been a nice play on a third down, but it, it, it's more of those plays that you need to make happen uh, to open things up because what we've seen is Auburn successful on a short field because that's what we got out after the Derek Hall interception and that first touchdown was also on a short field because of a nice return from Keontae Scott on a punt. So I think that sustaining drives to that sort because of, of conversions on a passing play, whether it's uh, a go route to Landon King, who he's appeared on the depth chart today, or finding Coy Moore on a dig route uh, because he's really finding consistent uh, open zones in, in the defense. Whatever it is, that's going to open up the running game because there's just no consistency with the passing game right now. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hillman, as we move into this week's matchup, Auburn hosting LSU for their fifth and final uh, home game in this stretch to start the season, 6 o'clock on ESPN. What can we expect to see from LSU against Auburn this weekend before we get into uh, what Auburn has to do? Well, obviously they had a bit of a tune-up game uh, last weekend against New Mexico where uh, they handled business well and 
And what I've really seen is Jaden Daniels continue to improve. I, what I've seen from him from from that Florida State game, he looked kind of eh. That, that's how I describe just a meh game against Florida State. But but he's become more consistent. And Noah Kane, Amani Goodwin uh, in the backfield with them, they've been really solid. So um, looking positively at this Auburn defense, double the sack number for the total year against Missouri. That was a big deal. You get your first two turnovers, obviously one. Uh, was not forced, but the other one was. So just just cons- consistently having pressure in the backfield like you did against Missouri and uh, and, and forcing a couple of tur- turnovers can go a long way on Saturday night and really just, just causing some chaos because, uh, I mean, this LSU team, yes, they, they, look, they look pretty good right now, but I just don't think they're quite to where they want to be, uh, especially offensively with Jaden Daniels. I think he's uh, kind of carrying the load a little bit. I think Noah Kane had a good game against New Mexico, but overall, uh, if you can shut down Jaden Daniels, then uh, maybe these linebackers, Cam Riley and Owen Papo, can, can have really good games where uh, they're, they're stuffing the run a bit. Because, I mean, you, you look at Saturday and just so many tackles for loss. Derek Hall with three himself, Colby Wooden in a, a tackle for loss and a half, and then uh, Echo Leota, Marcus Harris, and Marcus Bragg all uh, contributing to that as well. So I, I just really think that it starts with the defense uh, on Saturday, uh against the LSU offense, because what I don't want to see is Auburn's offense playing from behind. I think that they can really manage the game if you're playing from ahead. But if you get behind, then, then things you, 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 who knows what's going to happen with, with the youngster and Robbie Ashford. If he starts forcing things, then that's how uh, a game can get away from you. Jacob, with, uh, with this game on Saturday, it's the Stripe the Stadium game under the lights and Jordan hair. What are you expecting from the, from this Auburn fan base as far as an environment under the lights against this LSU team? Well, I think you look at last well, this past Saturday against Missouri, an 11 a.m. kickoff and against you know not 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 the most high profile opponent in Missouri, and it was still a very solid crowd. It was over 80,000 there, and I, I think you can expect even a bit of a better atmosphere on Saturday with. Um, with it being at night and an exciting atmosphere. Now, the only thing I could see is, you know, a bit of weather uh, being factor, which could also impact the game itself uh, on the field. So uh, I expect the Auburn family to show up well and uh, the, the Stripe Stadium to look good. I don't think Auburn's done it since 2019, maybe. I know 2018 uh, for, for sure, but 2019, maybe. I don't remember who it was against if, if it did happen. But, you know, it, it, I really – think that the Auburn family is going to show up regardless of uh, of the results and uh, this 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 past Saturday showed that and this upcoming Saturday will do the same and Hillman before we let you get out of here you know what today is don't you know what today was the first day of I, I do not but please enlighten me Auburn basketball practice got underway today okay. man Okay. Yeah, that, Auburn that, basketball. That, so not to not to jump ahead too much, but uh, Auburn basketball practice started today. So that season will be getting getting started uh, sooner rather than later. Look, with where with where Coach Pearl has his program, it's okay to talk about Auburn basketball year round. Whether it's whether it's the middle of June or July when they're in Israel, or or at the end of September when you got a whole month until the season begins, I, I'm okay with talking about. Auburn basketball. That's right. Well, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Man, we appreciate you coming on as always. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with the Auburn Sports Network. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. We'll be at Bomb Howers on Thursday night at 6 o'clock for Tiger Talk. Uh, Coach Harson will be joining us. And then Saturday, we will be on the air for Auburn LSU at 3 o'clock Central on the Auburn Sports Network. 
Good deal, man. Hey, look, you're doing great work over there. Keep it up. We appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you next week, all right? Thank you, guys. War Eagle. Yep, that is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break of the show. We'll come back and head to the phone lines. Ed, stay tuned, or stay on the line, I should say. We'll get to you when we come back here on this Monday afternoon. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. As we wrap up this Monday afternoon, let's head to the phone lines one more time. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in, man. we got a couple of minutes. Ed, do we have you? Ed, are you there? Mm, well, I don't know if we have Ed or not. Let's see, Ed. Let's try one more time. Well, while we try to get Ed on the line, Carter, as we wrap up, we'll try to get him on here before uh, before we get out of here. Um, uh, just, I guess, everything wrapping up with what Hillman said about the game uh, last Saturday against Missouri and the game coming up on Saturday against LSU. He expects Auburn fans to show up and show out on Saturday. I mean, I think that Auburn fans will show up because it is the LSU game and they are, I mean, they are good fans and and one, one of the best fan bases in the country and this is a big game with LSU coming to town, but it is also a tough ask for the fifth straight home game. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Five straight home games. It's a lot. I mean, it's 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 been... It, it's a lot to do. Five straight home games. Okay, I think we got Ed ready to go now. 334-321-1390. Ed, do we have you now? Yes. Yeah, oh, there he is. There he is. All right, Ed, what you got? Uh, hey, I, I just wanted to say I, I wish I, I would love some time to sit there and be able to debate that. Oh, is he a real good friend of yours, the guy you just had on? Jacob Hillman, I mean, he's he's a he's a buddy of ours, but he's with the Auburn Sports Network. We like having him on. That's the most inane bunch of junk he just said. I don't agree with about one, one hundred of any, and I don't think any Auburn person. He he is so out of touch with what's going on. But I, I mean, I, I wish I had had more time. But guys. War Eagle, and, and listen, it, we know, let's get this over with, okay? Let's get it over with. As far as Harson, there's no reason to make it last. Well, I, I think his future is probably uh, inevitable, and I think it, it's probably it, – it's on its way down. I think that's pretty much fair to say. I think everybody would, would kind of agree with that. And we do only have a couple of minutes, so we got to get out of here. We appreciate the call, though, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Um, and, and, Carter, again, as we sort of wrap up with, with everything we've talked about today um, with – with the whole just reacting to what we saw on Saturday, the biggest thing for me was the change of game plan and the change of uh, just plays on the field. We went from Auburn went from running the football up 14 nothing to can't even pick up a yard on the ground through the air, whatever it may be. I just what that's the biggest happen, shocker. What, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday when LSU has more physical, better athletes? They're going to put eight in the box and say, "All right, Robbie Ashford, what can you do to beat me?" Yeah, 
I know, and that's what's scary, and that's something we're going to talk about uh, throughout the rest of the week as we preview uh, Auburn and LSU. We'll also be talking about reactions to the rest of the games from over the weekend. Of course, Mondays we like to use these days for uh, initial reactions to Auburn's football's matchup and their results of whoever they play. Uh, so that's technically, I mean, you know, that's what today was about was uh, talking Auburn and Missouri. We'll talk some more about it tomorrow and also uh, give reactions to the rest of the games around the SEC. Quickly before we get out of here, was there a game over the weekend that stood out to you? or anything well I mean, it ha- I mean we talked about during one of the breaks the the middle tennessee miami game is one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen laughable 41 31 uh middle tennessee their quarterback threw for 408 yards on 16 completions that's insane that's 25 and a half yards a pop i mean what like i've never seen anything like that in my life i, I you may have to go back 20 years to find numbers remotely close to that. Yeah, and it was not a good uh, not a good look for Miami. And, uh, uh, you know, that game was interesting. And I'm trying to think if there's one. For me, I don't know. Well, again, we're going to talk about this more as the week goes on. But um, games around college football over the weekend that really kind of took my eye. How about Tennessee and Florida? That was a great game, right? Tennessee was up pretty big, and they let Florida come all the way back and almost tried to, I mean, they had a chance to win this game at the end, did Florida. But before that, Tennessee looked pretty solid, and I think Tennessee's got a good team. Defense a little questionable at times, but offensively, Tennessee's rolling. Yeah, I think Tennessee very much is a threat in the East them and South Carolina are right there and I think uh we have a real chance for what that third Saturday in October being a really fun one isn't it isn't it at in Knoxville it's in Knoxville it's in Knoxville everything about this is the best shot they've had since since Terrence Cody had to block a bunch of field goals to, for for Lane Kiffin to, to to lose to Nick Saban in his tenure at Tennessee. Well, here's Tennessee's remaining schedule. They're on a bye this week, and yep. then they have at LSU, home, Which win. home for Alabama, then they have Tennessee Martin, then they have Kentucky at Georgia. Kentucky at Georgia is going to be a brutal two-game stretch for them. That's brutal. Especially because Kentucky's going to be fully back into the swing of things with Chris R- Rodriguez being back. That that Kentucky team continues to be this this sneaky team lurking in the East, and they catch Georgia at the exact right time when you would want to catch Georgia. Yep, and but the end of their schedule, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. So Tennessee should end the season really well. It's what can they do at LSU, home for Alabama, home for Kentucky, and at Georgia. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a lot more college football results from over the weekend and more Auburn football talk and what the future of Brian Harson and this football program is. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. Come back tomorrow. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.